Our first reading for our, our service tonight is from 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food, but God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought at a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, we write. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Thee, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. It's good to see everybody this evening, cold, bitter cold evening, but good to be here, good to be together and together especially with Jesus. So I mentioned in the introduction we're going to be looking at the conversion of Nathanael and 
all the great lessons we can take from that uh, one, a calling of one of those first disciples. Christianity is the messianic religion. And when you hear that messianic word, Messiah, Messiah is just the English version of the Hebrew Mashiach. Mashiach means one who is anointed, and this is the entire theme of the Bible about salvation through one that God has chosen, the anointed one. All other religions, all other philosophies focus on moral and social improvements. Christians focus on those too, but not exclusively, and we certainly believe that you'll never make moral improvement unless you first have salvation from your sins. And this is why Judaism and Christianity have always been separate from all other religions, and they don't play the game together because they're not on the same page. When people realize they need to be saved, they will believe in Jesus. That which blocks salvation is pride and the idea that we can somehow save ourselves. Let me go back over the gospel lesson. You may want to follow along in the Pew Bible, if you wish, from John chapter 1, verses 43 to 45. The following day, Jesus went to go to, wanted to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Normally, disciples would go out and seek their rabbi, you know, almost like making an application to be one of their disciples. But Jesus was a very different kind of rabbi. And we see it already here as Jesus calls his own disciples. He seeks them. And that brings up a very, very important theme throughout the Bible about how we have a relationship with God. Jesus says later in the Gospel of John, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Right now in my eighth grade Bible class, we're going through the third article of the Apostles' Creed, the article about the Holy Spirit. And in there, we're especially studying those Bible verses that teach this very same idea, that God calls us. We are called by the gospel. We are lost in our sins, but God has brought us to life again. That is the teaching, clear teaching of the Bible, but because of our humanity and our sense that we have to get credit for something, uh, many, many people, even Christians, misread the Bible. That they overlook all of those passages, and they try in some way or another to think of themselves as choosing God, think of themselves as, as uh, adopting Him rather than He adopting them. It's important to understand this in the right way, and for this reason, when times get tough in your life, and when you need to rely on your faith and nothing else but your faith, it will be important for you to remember that your faith is not a human thing. It wasn't something that arose up out of your own will, but it is something that comes from God. And it is only that kind of faith that can sustain you in those great and hard times of life that we all will face at one time or another. Now, the gospel lesson emphasizes that Jesus found Philip and Philip also found Andrew 
uh, and Nathanael and told him about this Messiah. All of us have a Philip in our life. All of us heard about Jesus in some way or another from somebody. I've had a number of different Philips in my life. I'd like you to think about the Philips in your own life. Who is it that helped you uh, come to Jesus? Who is it that Jesus used to find you and to adopt you into his kingdom? There's, as I said, many in my life, my parents, of course, pastors, teachers. But one teacher in particular that I, I've always remembered was my sixth grade Sunday school teacher. His name was Mr. Morris. Mr. Morris was a big farmer. He had the biggest hands I'd ever seen in my life. And he also served in World War II. And from time to time, he would drift off and tell us World War II stories, which I enjoyed probably sometimes more than the Bible stories. But anyway, the, the thing that always impressed me about Mr. Morris, though, was he could have been with his friends. He could have been with other adults but he wanted to spend that time with us, squirrely sixth graders. And he took that time to tell us about Jesus. I'm sure there may have been times when he wanted to wrap those big hands around our throats. He must have been very patient with us. But he left me a great example of somebody who wanted me to know about Jesus and learn my Sunday school lessons. He was a Philip in my life. And so you all have Philips. And now I also want you to think about how you can be a Philip to others, how you can be a witness to Christ. Witnessing is not really very difficult. Philip shows us the example. He simply says to Nathanael, we found this guy, and we believe, I believe, he is this Christ, the Messiah. When you were a witness... You do not have to answer everybody's questions that they might have about the Bible or about God. That's not what a witness does in a courtroom. In a courtroom, a witness just tells them what they saw. And that's what we do when we witness. And when the questions come up, which they will, the next thing Philip says is so important. Come and see. That is, lead them along to others who can help them Open the Bible up for them and answer some of those questions that they might have. This is the way we are found by God. And this is the way we are brought by the Lord into a relationship of faith with Him. Reading on, 46 to 48. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now you know, I've mentioned this before, two years ago I started growing my first fig tree and I've been so impressed with these trees my one fig tree is right now in the garage, uh, staying a little bit warm and staying alive, and I look forward to replanting it in the spring. This last summer, I got my first sweet figs off of that little tree. Now, in the Bible, fig trees are very important. Listen to this verse from 1 Kings 4. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. 
Micah the prophet in chapter 4 even says that in the latter days, everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree. In the Bible, the fig tree is a metaphor for Israel. And faithful Jewish people dedicated time to meditate upon God's word, as we read in Psalm 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by streams of water. This is what Nathanael was probably doing meditating upon God's Word. And it was, that also was part of the process that would lead him to Jesus. I hope that you have a kind of fig tree, that is, a place, a time, when you can break away from all of the busy things of this life and do some meditating upon God's Word and prayer, responding to that to that word and God hearing and listening and answering those prayers. Now, Jesus says something very interesting when he meets Nathanael for the first time. He says, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And that really causes Nathanael to wonder what is going on. He says, how do you know me? Oh, what's going on here? More than likely, Nathanael was using that time under the fig tree for meditation. And it may have even been that Nathanael was meditating upon this verse from Psalm 32, verse 2. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. It's in, as I always stress, in the Christian faith, repentance is very important. And at the very heart of repentance is honesty, not hiding things from God. The sacrifices of God, David said, are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. This apparently is probably what's in the heart of Nathanael and why Jesus would say that to him, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He's not hiding anything back from God. He's seeking forgiveness, seeking salvation, and this is what Jesus sees in his heart, and Nathanael cannot believe it. He cannot imagine what this man, who this man must be. He must be the very same one he was thinking about under that fig tree, the very same one he was praying to under that fig tree, which brings us now to the last verses of our gospel lesson. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. At this point, the gospel lesson explodes into messianic phrases. As I said at the beginning, the Christian faith is a messianic faith, a faith about salvation, a faith in a Savior that God has chosen and revealed to us through all of these prophets and finally in the person of Jesus. Here's one example which mentions both this Messiah being a son of God and the King of Israel. Psalm 2, verse 7. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. 
Today I have begotten you. This is a theme that we find throughout the Bible. This is part of the prophecies of the Messiah. And Nathanael was thinking about those things. This is why he uh, bears witness to Jesus as the Messiah using these terms. Jesus also responds in like kind, also showing Nathanael even more that he is the Messiah. David or Jesus says to him, uh, "How do you?" Or Jesus says that, uh, "Do you believe you will see greater things than these?" Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Sometimes, now a few sermons ago, I mentioned how human beings today think they're so smart. Uh, they're not any smarter than people used to be many, many centuries and, and, and thousands of years ago. We are advanced only because we've accumulated so much knowledge but uh, people with such uh, low uh, intelligence uh, oftentimes approach the Bible and with such pride and arrogance, and they, and they read a passage like this, and they completely misunderstand it. They think that, well, Jesus is going to create some sort of aluminum extension ladder that's going to go all the way up to heaven, and there's going to be angels coming up and down. And, and since that didn't happen, therefore Jesus is speaking a bunch of nonsense here. This is kind of the imbecilic approach to the Bible that the world often takes. But these people were sharp and they were smart and they knew their words and their letters and they knew their Bible well. And, and everyone who read this, a Jewish person who read this, who knew the Bible well, knew exactly what Jesus was referring to. When he talked about a ladder with angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, he was referring back to Jacob. Jacob in Genesis chapter 12, who laid down to sleep with a rock as his pillow and had a dream. And in the dream, he saw a ladder and he saw angels ascending and descending. And this ties us back to the promise that God gave to Jacob that night after that dream. He said to Jacob, as he had said to his grandfather Abraham, in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Another messianic promise that the Messiah comes from Israel, for Israel, and for all of the nations. And then Jesus also refers to himself as the Son of Man. Another promise of the Messiah that comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, tonight, if you're not doing anything too important, you might want to get on your computer and go to Google Maps and uh, you can go take a little tour through the streets of Nazareth. It's not uh, the exact same place of the biblical Nazareth, but it's pretty close. And as you do that, I think you will also realize what Nathaniel was saying. Because it's not impressive at all. It's narrow streets and uh, old houses, some of them kind of broken down, things like that. Old broken down cars, and you'll see all kinds of things there. But the one thing you will, you will not see there as you look at the actual Nazareth as it is today, some kind of great and magnificent city at all. And this is something that God did on purpose. Out of this helpless world, out of a place called Bethlehem or a place called Nazareth, God raised up his son, our Savior, the Messiah. It reminds me of Psalm 109. 
Help me, O Lord my God. Save me according to your mercy. Why? That they may know that this is your hand, that you, O Lord, have done it. God takes the weak and the foolish things of this world to put to shame the world which thinks it is so often so wise without God. But it does so in order to humble us, in order, us, in order for us to realize our great need because of our sins for forgiveness and for salvation, which only comes in Jesus and his cross, which we will be getting close to as we continue on these Sundays in our journey with Jesus to the cross in Lent and Good Friday. This all happened that we would realize the goodness of God coming whether it be from Nazareth or Bethlehem or Jerusalem, coming even right now from our sanctuary here at Good Shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Please.